Welcome to Camera Ready and Able, the podcast that explores the intersection of media change and personal growth. I'm your host, Barbara Barna Abel, and my calling is to help you tap into your superpowers to thrive on camera and in life and to make an impact on the world. This episode is brought to you by the phrase on brand, a perpetual hot topic in the camera ready and able universe, which is why I'm so thrilled my guest for this episode, Aliza Licht, is here because she really is the expert on the subject and the author of the book on brand shape your narrative, share your vision, shift their perception, a comprehensive roadmap to building your personal brand. Aliza is an award-winning marketer, best-selling author, podcaster, personal branding expert, and the founder of Leave Your Mark, a multimedia brand and consultancy. She advises businesses and mentors individuals on brand building and career development, and was named one of America's next top mentors by the New York Times and Business Insiders, top 20 most innovative career coaches. She was also a social media pioneer and one of the first fashion influencers. And I have to tell you, all of your amazing accolades don't begin to even tap into how generous you are, Aliza, and what an exceptional, exceptional individual. And you shared a tiara full of gems when you were on camera ready and able before talking about mentoring. So I am ecstatic to have you back and so really chuffed that you said yes. So Welcome. Oh my God, Barbara, first of all, I love, you know, I love spending time with you in any <laughs> format, but thank you for the kind words. I'm so happy to be here. Oh, so what is on brand in 2023? For me or for you? Because we're each different. No. So in, see, I'm glad you just said that it's not one size fits all, which is a core value of mine, but what does it mean to be on brand now? Is it changed? Is it still the same? Well, it's funny. It's a phrase that, you know, I think when you work in marketing, it's a very, um, it's, it's intrinsic to what you do. When you think about what's on brand for a company, right? But we don't think about it as much for people. And I think in recent years, people have adopted it as something they think about. And what it really means is you have a clear understanding of what you align with. It can be what you visually like, what you wanna see on yourself, who you want to spend your time with, where you want to put your energy, what you want to support. There's a lot of different realms to being on brand, but really they all roll up to having a clear sense of what it is that you want to be known for and how to make sure other people see you that way. I love this quote that you give. In the absence of your story, people will create one for you. Oh yeah. And I was like, okay, wow. And you know, as soon as I read that, I was like, of course that makes sense. And yet I don't think many of us are conscious going into this. So what does that mean? And then functionally, how does that work? So a lot of people don't put time into shaping their own narrative. So that's one of the reasons why Shape Your Narrative is the first subtitle of this book, because if people are going to wait around for others to recognize their value, that's a mistake. So it goes back to the initial question of what do you want to be known for? And how do you make sure you're positioning yourself, not just online, but in person, right? How you're showing up into a meeting, how you're showing up on email to make sure that other people think of you that way. I mean, we're making an impression in every single thing we do. So why not understand what that impression is? You know, as you're saying that, Elisa, a functional version of this in the uh, sort of casting media space that I inhabit and we've talked about this before, is that, you know, even when you're sending an email or 
pitching or submitting the power of, of including your own links, right? It, which seems like an obvious thing, but I meant like make it easy for the other person so that yeah. they don't go around Googling you. Well, because- uh, that's a great, that's a great bit of advice. And I'll take it a step further. How many people don't leverage the beautiful space of an email signature to deliver who they are on a silver platter? You know, I mean, sent from my iPhone is not helping you make other people understand what it is that you do. So that's a functional way to actually shape your narrative. That beautifully said. And so taking that one step further, when I'm sharing that thing that you sent to me with colleagues or bosses or clients, if, if you've given me the opportunity to Google and choose the links I'm going to forward, you've just given me the opportunity to shape your narrative because I got to choose your photo. I chose the clip on YouTube or social media, not you. And that in a world where we control so little, your marketing materials are the thing that you control, which is a version of a, a tangible version of what you're talking about of shaping your narrative. The other thing you talk about that I'm really curious is is about the value of social capital and why it matters. So if you could first define what social capital is, because I don't know if everybody knows what that is. Yeah, you know, a lot of people think of it as having to do with social media, but it actually has to do with you've established a reputation to appear. So like if you ask me to do something, Barbara, and I do that thing really well, I have now established a certain level of social capital with you, meaning that if you have another opportunity and I was responsive and quick and efficient and delivered like I said I would, you're gonna call on me again to do that thing. And the more that you do that and establish your reputation with others, the more that they understand that you are reliable and that you're good to work with. So when we think about social capital, it really is, is that person good to work with? And certainly in your industry, it's like, is that person difficult? Is that person, you know, I'll, I'll never forget in our episode when you were like, do I want to go on a travel show for 13 weeks with that person? Like, that is not building social capital if the reputation when someone hears your name is, oh, she's a pain in the ass. Forget it. You're, you're you know what? Don't even bother. Or you know that something was due on a certain day and there was a deadline and you just casually ignored a deadline. Those are the kinds of things that can really mess up your social capital and you can't buy it. You have to earn it. Wow. That's relationship management on a, on a big level. Gosh, just as you said that, Elisa, like I think about even little things, you, you know, the power of the referral. Gosh, you know, sometimes it's like, yes, there, this is this and this, but versus the, um, yeah, and a delight or, and went the extra mile or I hired them and I never had to think about it again or whatever those things are. Wow. Yes. Or, or where it's like, you're doing someone a favor and you, you know, listen, we all want to get paid, but sometimes you're going to do someone a favor because you know, it will earn you social capital. And you know, if you do that thing as a favor, that person might recommend you to somebody else. So the, these are the kinds of exchanges that happen when you're trying to build that social capital. I want to sit with that for one sec, because that is a big thing in the gig economy. And um, let's just call it now, we're going to name it the relationship economy. Ooh, I love that. And um, so that comes up a lot 
because there's often, um, I don't know, stretching the men- metaphor, but you know, income inequality, there's a disparity between, there's a power gap or whatever I'm. So when do you, let me rephrase this because what you're tapping into is, is being able to ask yourself the question and understanding, am I building social capital, which is so important versus am I just getting exploited or just like throwing this thing out or I'm doing the same thing over and over again and not getting anywhere, which happens a lot because of like doing some version of free work for a reason. Well, in On Brand, I actually tap into Elisa Cohn, who is um, pretty much the most well-known startup coach in the world. And when she was starting her consulting business, her coaching business, you know, people always say, well, how do you get experience when you don't have experience, right? This is how she did it. I mean, she basically said, I will do this thing for you. I will coach you for free. But in exchange, I would like you to give me a testimonial for my website and refer me to your friends. So it's perfectly acceptable to sort of negotiate what the terms of this deal are upfront so that you can feel good about that favor you're doing, knowing that you are getting something in return after. Oh, that is really good advice. I want to go back to you because it's a two-parter question because I'm a big believer in you, you've identified the what and that the other thing that you offer all the time, Elisa, is the how. And it's the combination of what and how, because we, we're always told what we need to do, but very rarely does someone show up and tell us how to do it. And you do this. Thank so as a, as a really helpful ex- example, I want to get a sense of, you know, the ways in which your own brand, Elisa Licht and Leave Your Mark, have stayed the same over the years since you identified how you want it, how you want to be known, as well as how has it evolved? Oh, wow. Great questions. So I think, you know, just to make this not sound impossible to people listening, in On Brand, I have these exercises called mental gymnastics, which I love that phrase. And it's like a workbook within the book. So everything that I'm asking you to do, I'm sort of holding your hand along the way. And we chip away at exactly this as we go through the book. So first of all, understanding your own brand guidelines, right? Where where does your brand begin? Where does it end? What are the guardrails for yourself? So in the beginning of On Brand, the exercise is really self-reflective with a Venn diagram and thinking about how to connect the dots between the different facets of your work, your interests, maybe what you speak about on social media and finding that middle center to really get a clear understanding of what you should be speaking about the most or what you maybe aren't and could be. So for me, I was really clear about loving fashion. Obviously, I was in corporate PR my whole life, but I also love mentorship. And where do those things intersect? So in the book, I, I, I am the case study. So I take you through how I thought about my own brand And especially, and most importantly, the rebrand, because I was a corporate PR person who did a a job at the same company at Donna Karen for 17 years, and then decided I didn't want to do that anymore. But how do you undo what people think of you? And that is part of understanding where you were, where you want to go, and how to get there. So I connect the dots for people on how to navigate that thought process in the book. Can you just give us a nugget? This is so great because I've had to do this personally to undo because my career has transitioned from being, you know, strictly casting 
when I started my business in 2001 to, you know, transitioning into media coaching, which is now transitioned into media coaching for all and working so much in, you know, like tech and finance and all these sectors. And depending on where you've known me from, you may or may not care about casting, but some, but it's, it's completely grown and I'm constantly having to, you know, well, I've got to like shape my narrative and share it and shift perceptions constantly. So I am so a member of the choir as well as, you know, a student, but people listening, I mean, this happens all the time. So is it just, is like, is there, you know, a top line takeaway as somebody's listening to this? Yes. So I think it starts with self-reflection, right? And really taking the time to understand how you would describe yourself, what you want to be known for, what you're speaking about, either publicly, on social, how you're showing up on email, and then making sure that's actually happening and how people perceive you. So one of the first exercises is asking your network to take a little quiz. Because you may think you're X, Y, and Z, but maybe the people around you are like, no, she's not X, Y, and Z. She's A, B, and C. Mm-hmm. So you're marrying the self-reflection and the public perception is how you create a strong personal brand. And the steps to get there is, are really kind of being critical of yourself and really thinking through, am I showing up in the way that I intend to? And then making sure that you're doubling and tripling down on that messaging, because going back to what you said earlier with shaping your narrative, and if you don't do it yourself, other people will fill in that blank for you. It's your responsibility to know how you're coming off. And if you're going to show up to every audition or any meeting, and you're going to sort of make the room have no air because you're taking up all of it, that is a reputation that you're going to start to have. And people are going to be like, you know what? We don't really want that person in a room. So really understanding how to put all these pieces together to create really the reputation that you want. And it goes across any medium. And one of the mm-hmm. things that I really, really, really strongly emphasize in this book is that if you're someone who is not interested in building a social media presence, that's fine. But how you are in real life is still your personal brand. You still have to think about that, right? So it, no one escapes it. We all have some version of one. It starts with what makes you you. I love the fact that you say that it don't get obsessed with followers, that the world has moved on. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But going back to you and how you've had to expand sort of your offering, you've expanded that offering also in part because other sectors have come to you Mm -hmm. for this coaching because the coaching is universal. So same thing here. It's like personal branding is universal, but each person is going to have their own unique take on it. So I was going to say, would you, you know, we talked about like how yours has evolved, but it's like, are there any, any missteps you're willing to admit to? Well, I mean, (laughs) Well, let's just say that, I mean, I don't know for everyone listening, if you didn't, if you didn't hear my previous episode with Barbara. Um, so I, I was corporate PR person. I created an anonymous social media personality called DKY PR girl that became very famous. I got a book deal from it. I wrote leave your mark. Then I left the company. And then all of a sudden I'm not that corporate exec- executive anymore. I don't have those millions of followers. I don't want to do PR. 
and yes, I have a book and that's great, but I kind of needed to like really rethink who am I? And you do get insecure and you do have like a little bit of an identity crisis because I spent 17 years relying on the credibility of the company I worked at. And I didn't really think about what my name meant outside of that. So that was a misstep in not thinking about that. So part of what I want to do in On Brand is really teach people that their name and building equity in that, their actual name, not Aliza from DKNY, like not so-and-so from X company, but like your first and last name is what you really have to work on and making that mean something. So really, I think, you know, I left the company and I started consulting and I sucked at it. Like I actually sucked at it. And I, <laughs> I did it for 10 months and I ended up writing this article for Forbes, which was titled like, how you know you're not meant to be an entrepreneur. And I basically told everyone, like literally hundreds of thousands of people that not everyone's meant to be an entrepreneur, but the biggest takeaway here is it is okay to admit that it didn't work and it didn't work. So I ended up going back in house, but then since then I've gone in and out of house over and over again. But what remains the same is I needed to stand on my own and, and build my own brand. And, and on brand starts off with that story mm. and all of the tech, whether it's, you know, creating your website or making sure your social media platforms are all aligned. Every aspect of your brand needs to be thoughtful and you have to put some time into it to think about, are you showing up consistently in, in every medium and with everyone you meet? I mean, this is a really good reminder, though, that it's nonlinear and it takes time. But I really actually want to circle back because you gave me an opening here to what I mentioned at the end of my introduction for this episode is how generous you are, because this is the part you glossed over. The notion of understanding who you are, being true to who yourself, tr being true to who you are. We could, because what actually got you the book deal and the whole idea of leave your mark was because you didn't. No, I don't know. You tell us, did you start out on DKNY PR girl thinking I, this is actually going to be a mentoring platform? No, but everybody wrote questions. And what did Aliza Lick do that nobody else does? Aliza wrote back and responded to every tweet and DM and started doling out mentoring advice and PR and career. And, and that's what got your book. And that's your brand. And that is so true to who you are. Well, thank you for calling that out. And yes, I mean, you are right. I think it was my nature to do that. I think I get that from my dad. I like my dad was always someone who helped everyone and never really asked for anything in return. So, you know, it was sort of my pleasure to see an easy question. And if I knew the answer, like, why would I not help? And I think a lot of people don't realize how easy it is to just be gracious and just like, you know, sometimes you might see something on, you know, on LinkedIn and DM and you're like, well, I don't know this person. Why am I answering? It's like, you know what, if someone's asking you a question, just like take three seconds and answer it. Like you'll make someone's day. So yes, I did start putting that energy out into the universe and it came back for sure. And now here it is. 
<laughs> yeah. Book number two. No, but also like, I mean, a, a movement. And then the other thing we didn't really even discuss, and I've been um, so honored to have just, you know, a teeny tiny participation in this. I mean, is you have a global mentoring program and you mentor young women around the world. And it was, I was honored to be on one of those calls. I mean, this is, it's not like little Elisa, oh, look at me. I mean, you put so much out into the universe um, and not just with words, but I mean, actions and then all the, the ripple effect, all these amazing people doing their thing is literally incredible. It's like you're lifting boats all over the place. Well, thank you. I mean, yeah. So Barbara's talking about Leave Your Mark community where I mentor. And listen, it goes back to, again, like I get genuine satisfaction and gratification from paying forward what I know. It's why I have the Leave Your Mark podcast because I want so to give out as much advice as possible and bring on guests like you who have a really unique point of view in whatever they do and, and sort of just keep on pushing that information into the world. By the way, going back to what you were just talking about a second ago, and you know, if you see something, see something, say something, was... Um, <laughs> is because this is a newish concept to me though, but it's, it's comment marketing and it's to your point. So, you know, it's about parasocial relationships. So if, if you're in a conversation on LinkedIn or watching something is to, you know, either respond to a question, ask, but if even, even somebody you don't know, and you both are in the comment section, yes. build relationships, people will take notice. It doesn't cost you anything. Absolutely. And you could, you know, make a friend in the process. It's also really great strategy I've started to learn. If again, if you don't like to create your own content, if it's just like not fun or overwhelming, that's a really impactful way to show up and you know be part of the conversation. Yes. So something we haven't talked about before, but I was just really curious and how and if you touch on this in the book is is just where we are between, you know, conversations of TMI and cancel culture. Mm, this is like my favorite. So Ooh. so I I could never uh, tell people how to craft their brand, amplify their brand, and then not tell them how to sustain it. And part of that is crisis communications management, reputation management, and understanding cancel culture. Uh, so in on brand, I have a secret, a secret weapon. Her name is Jane because she actually needs to say anonymous. And we really go through PR 101, like what actually happens, you know, when you do build this personal brand, right? Or you do get a role and all of a sudden everybody knows you and you mess up. What happens and what are the steps to take to rectify that? And this is probably one of the most tactical chapters. I hope no one ever has to use it. I hope they read it and they're like, thanks for the FYI, but this is not going to be me because it is pure torture to have to actually experience, you know, God forbid, like having to deal with crisis comms or cancel culture, but really the tactics have to be so careful and so thoughtful in the way that you approach an apology or how, how you're speaking about what might've happened or where you're speaking about it. And I take people through sort of the, um, you know, dealing with, with a reporter one with a reporter 101, which is like understanding what it means to actually speak to a journalist and what it means to be on the record or give information on background or how saying no comment is actually a comment, 
right? So all of these things that like, if you don't work in PR, you wouldn't know, but they are now in on brand because I felt responsible to make sure that if I'm going to help you really make your name mean something, then you better know how to take care of it if something goes south. Wow, this is a massive public service because again, in a world where we're all personal brands and many of us are small businesses or solopreneurs. Anyway, my whole point is we're all hustling out there to like get on podcasts or do whatever we can to, um, you know, get quoted, get places. Nobody's stopping to learn what you just said until we have to know it. This is, gosh, once again, I've just proved my point, my thesis statement here. Aliza Licht, you're one of the most generous people on the planet. Thank you. Um, this is incredible doing the Lord's work. So let us, let's also do talk about the book. So it's, it's banks. Have you seen the actual, the real one? It's metallic. I don't know if you can tell. <gasps> Shiny. It's like a gun metal. Yeah. The book is the book. Is, this is the only one I have. I have one. It's really, like I said, it picks up from where leave your mark left off. So if you love leave your mark, which by the way, if you don't know what leave your mark is, I describe it as the devil wears Prada meets career advice because it's really my fashion journey and it is very devil wears Prada, but really explaining how work works. Definitely for like a younger, you know, college age, young professional, right out of school person. This book, baby, this is adulting. (laughs) This is like, this is like you are in your career. You can be right in the beginning, you can be in the middle. I always like to say, and it's so funny, when I was talking to the sales team at my publisher, they were like, well, who's your target demographic? And I'm like, you can literally be an assistant who is like aiming for the stars. You can be someone who's a middle manager who doesn't understand why they're not getting their next promotion. You could be an entrepreneur. You could be someone who wants to be uh, an actor. You could be someone who is a waiter who wants to be an actor and wants to figure out how to actually get your name out there. So there's so many different personas in this book and I kind of dive into all of them. So this is not just for corporate people. This is not just for entrepreneurs. This is not just for influencers. It's really for anyone who wants to get a clear understanding of what's on brand for them and make sure other people see them that way. So it is shaping how they're known in whatever medium they play in. Well, speaking of that, um, full disclosure, yours truly managed to get herself quoted in that book. So um, could you explain, because I was on your podcast. Yes, you were. And I don't know how that became, like what you got so excited about, but here here we are and I could not be more excited. You were were an amazing guest on the Leave Your Mark podcast. And what got me excited was this idea of how you can call something an audition, but an audition is also a job interview. An audition is also the same as when you're an entrepreneur pitching investors right? You are meeting, you are presenting yourself for the first time to a group of people and you have to show up as your best self. So Barbara, let me just, didn't memorize the chapter numbers, but Barbara has a whole section in, where are we? Chapter seven, 
become a captivating speaker and own the room. And um, really, you know, Barbara, I think what you said about what you look for in an audition really struck me as universal advice. So similarly to how all of a sudden you find yourself coaching all these sectors outside of like Hollywood, same thing, because the advice is universal. No, it sure is. And that that's how it actually began was, I don't know, like a Wall Street person that I prepped for media appearances. Next thing I know, I'm, I'm getting, you know, founders coming to prep for their series ABC funding pitches. Listen, here's another piece of your advice that I'll throw back at you that I put in on brand, which is do what you can control. And what you can control is being delightful in that room. Because even though you're not right, might not be right for that position or whatever it is you're going for, that, that person will remember you and recommend you for something else. And I think that's great advice. And it's not obvious because sometimes you think like you're interviewing you're, you're, or you're auditioning for something specific and you're really focused on that one thing. But what you should be focused on, which is what you said, is really like the relationship you're making between yourself and whoever it is that is holding that audition or interview. So I think that's great advice. So yes, that is why Barbara is in the book, because <laughs> I know good advice when I hear it. That's all I've ever gotten from you is good advice. Thank you. You know what? I did want to comment on what you just said, because I think it goes back to what we were talking about earlier was it was unexpected that you would respond to tweets and DMs. What does it say about our culture that it's, it was like extraordinary. And you're like, why? It, it cost me nothing. And it, it, it brings me sort of joy to be helpful. And yeah. so it is the same way. I just want to mention that we live, you know, these are unfortunately can be very cynical times. Yes. So it's easy to lose sight of the idea of, of best intentions and, and thinking good things of people. So we've lose sight of the fact that a lot of people really are wonderful because the news is always full of the people who aren't wonderful. And so you, it's just a reminder to be surprised how many people are rooting for you, how many people um, are delighted to meet you. And when you leave the room feeling better than when you entered, how many people will share that information? There are yeah. a lot of good people out there. Yes, there, it's true. But listen, you know, back then, you know, it was 2009, there was no roadmap for for being on social media brands especially in fashion were not on social media yet so mm. it was very gut intuitive to me to to be helpful and i think like being helpful is like an underrated superpower because so many people aren't helpful beautifully said well i want to go back to the part of um that you are you're putting out so much wonderful energy into the world Thank you. And that is, is, I mean, it's practical advice and it's dressed up as practical, actionable things, but you are making the world a better place. Thank you. Well, you know, part of why I wanted to do the Leave Your Mark podcast is because I think so many times when you see super successful people and you hear about their journeys, you're like, oh, that's great, but that'll never be me, right? It's like, it's almost too lofty. It's, it's not your goal necessarily. You really don't understand. Like they're telling you what they did, but you can't do it anyway. So part of what I feel strongly about is, is making goals really small and digestible and bite-sized 
but also giving tactical advice. And I think one of mm. the things that I'm most proud of in this book on brand is that you cannot go through this book without knowing exactly what you need to be doing. I can't make you do it. I can't make your personal brand for you, but you will end the book and be like, oh my God, I know exactly what I need to do now. Will you have the energy and, and, and the sort of dedication that is required to like be consistent with your personal brand, which is really important. So like whatever you decide to do, let's say you're like, you know what? I'm going to go, I'm going to really put a lot of effort, let's just say into Instagram, or you're going to really put a lot of effort into the way you present in an audition or a meeting, like just being consistent with whatever levers you're pulling is really the name of the game. You don't have to do everything, but you have to do what you decide to do really well and consistently. Hmm. It's so great. And just a reminder, it's just like you personally, and I love that you're your own case study. You have pivoted. You've successfully pivoted. And, and, and so and that to me is phenomenally generous because anybody listening going, everybody has to, that's the thing that's so hard. And when you're, when you're forced to pivot, when you didn't want to, and you have to, you know, zig when you want to zag or whatever anybody says yeah. now that, that is really hard. These are challenging times, Aliza. They are challenging times, mm-hmm. but like, I also didn't want to write a textbook, right? Mm-hmm. I think when we are forced to rebrand or not even forced, but when you decide like, okay, I don't want to be known for that anymore. As DKY PR girl, which was a long time ago. And the fact that I'm still talking about it today is because no one lets me forget it in a way, right? So when I was anonymous as that character for two years, and when the news came out that I was the person behind the Twitter handle, it generated over 230 million media impressions. That's not an easy thing to just wipe off you. So when I was no longer working there and sort of left to my own devices, it is a very uncomfortable feeling to think about, okay, like what am I rebranding myself as? So part of that journey requires a lot of deep self-reflection. And one of the things that I did to do that is to think like, okay, we all know how to do a lot of things, but what, what do we like doing? It's a really big difference. Mm-hmm. And I wrote down every single thing I knew how to do. And then I crossed out all the things I didn't want to do. And then I focused on what was left. And then you have to tell people. If you don't tell people what it is you're trying to do, nobody knows. That's part of the shaping your narrative thing. It's so obvious and yet so many of us miss it. Um, Really quick final question if you're up for answering, who do you feel in the public eye has done a good job with a public, uh, you know, brand rehab? Brand rehab, oh my God. Or, or um, you know, just a redo who had, you know, who needed to. You know, I think that it's very easy to fall into the trap of like, who had a scandal and who came out from it? But I don't think that that's really what we should model behavior after. I think, I'm trying to think like, you know, this is just an example and and maybe not directly, you know, answering your question, but like, look at Scarlett Johansson right now, like, or Reese Witherspoon's actually a great example. Reese Witherspoon has, you know, yes, she can still act in films, but she has rebranded and built an entire other side 
of herself through Hello Sunshine and through her sort of female empowerment initiatives that if she never got another role, she is, she's a mogul in another realm, right? Scarlett Johansson, I was going to say with her, with her skincare line, like rebranded as, you know, a beauty founder. Now I know none of us need another celebrity skincare line, but the idea is people are multifaceted. And it is okay to lean into all of these verticals for people. The question is, will the public give you permission to do that, right? So sometimes when you see someone rebrand into, into a realm, you're like, that doesn't, that's not a good look for them, or that doesn't make sense for them. Or you, as like a parasocial sort of devotee of that person, doesn't want to see them in that realm. But at the end of the day, I think people are allowed to show different sides of their personality. Oh, you know, on that level, I think Selena Gomez has done an amazing job going, because it's not easy to go from being a teen actor and what that was. Oh yeah, it's, it, this God, I'm gonna think about this all day. Yeah, or Zendaya, I mean, look what she's been able to oh, do. Great example, Yeah, great example. Anything I didn't ask that I should have asked? Um. Oh, you know what is actually a really good tactic? And I go through all of this in the book, but I do think visual identity is really an important tactic, especially for people who are trying to become known for something. So for example, like I always wear red lipstick, right? So having a signature look or like maybe you're showing up to an audition every time and you have something signature about you that you become memorable for that. I think playing up, you know, playing with fashion, playing with beauty to create a visual identity is, is an underrated, very powerful thing to do. Mm, I love that. Absolutely. Here's a really great practical example of this. That I love that I advise people all the time and, it, and women have a very strong advantage in this over men is if you're on a panel discussion and to wear a bright pop of color, because if everybody on that panel, especially in the corporate space is going to be dressed in navy blue or black. Yep. Everybody, you know, which one of these is not like the others? Yeah. And really stands out. And so, you know, and, and then even saying that to men, it's the choice of a tie or a pocket square or something that's going to give him color. But a woman can wear a red dress, any kind of bright, beautiful jewel tone, yeah. anything, to, you know, all the different ways that we can stand out. And then, and still be, and then to your point, still on brand in the sense of being appropriate for the place that we're showing up. Absolutely. Oh, I love this. Okay, thank you so much. I, I know you, you have better things to do today. Oh my God, um, <laughs> no, I love with you. Thank you so much. And thanks for sharing on brand with your listeners. Oh, I love it. And I want to thank you for listening to Camera Ready and Able. If you're interested in media coaching for you or your team, please shoot me a note at ableintermedia.com and be sure to download my free ebook, 12 Tips for Success on Camera. And as always, please be sure to hit the subscribe button if you haven't already. Thank you.